Our reading this morning is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, reading from verses 14 to 21. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. And may God add his blessing to this reading from his holy word. I wonder, have you ever had an experience where you could say, you know, going through this has changed my whole outlook, I see differently, things differently now. Well, perhaps the pandemic has certainly done that for us all. We took travel abroad, ev anywhere, everywhere, for granted. In the men's club, we had someone who went to uh, Antarctica and, and, the, uh, and the Arctic regions. But large gatherings, and for parties and football and rugby and packed theater performance. We took these for granted, didn't we? At the airports, we complained of waiting in queues for security. But now we have known, yes, isolation and restriction on a scale that we never imagined. Yes, that's changed everything for us. Perhaps also climate change has changed everything for us, hasn't it? We really never thought about when we, things that we took for granted, our climate, we could rely upon spring, summer, autumn, winter. And then we watched whole towns and villages underwater and all their furnishing ruin, and that happened year after year. And we were shocked because they told us we were over-consuming. We were overuse of fossil fuels, mounds of waste discarded plastics that are appearing absolutely everywhere. And it was altering our weather and making life totally unpredictable. <laughs> yes, perhaps that's also, we, that has changed the way we look at things. And certainly the internet <laughs> and mobile phone technology has helped us to communicate all hours of the day. Remember the old days when we wrote a letter and we waited for a reply. We made personal visits 
And then we waited. Yes, perhaps there were more close-knit societies in some ways, but now we can access information, I and misinformation, and world events and sport and entertainment and so many things. And we can also enjoy worship. And some of you have tuned in to some of the churches that you'd never have uh, realized uh, and realized how good some of the worship things have been in all parts of the world. But the others, we are part of a global family. But the other side of it is that dangers and cons and scams can enter our very homes. So, yes, perhaps things have changed since the internet. But Paul says, writing to a church at Corinth, that he says, the wonderful love of Christ dying for a whole world has changed everything for us who believe. He says it's changed how we look at life. It's changed the concerns that dominated us and dominate our actions and our relationships that don't seem to matter now. The the differences that we have. For we are mastered, he says, by a loving Savior who's mastered, controlled, compelled, he says, even, the word, by a loving Savior who is altering the way we look at people and the way we act towards people. So how has it changed everything for Christians? Paul says we are compelled. We are overwhelmed by a new power. And it's the power of God's love in Christ. It's a power that's so different from human power. So different from the power of kings and armies over people. And we've been watching the terrible power of these things missiles and bombs in Ukraine. What's so different about Christ's love? Well, he says three things about Christ's love. Beautiful things for us. And we know they're true. Verses 14 and 15. Jesus died for all of us on the cross. Such was the depth of it and the strength of his love that he gave his life for us. He made the ultimate sacrifice as the divine one in human form and included the whole of humanity in that death. So we share the benefits of that death. We enjoy the life of the risen one who rose for us, not for himself. And since he made the great sacrifice, we have that great and wonderful relationship with God. It's new. So his love is sacrificial. It's not selfish. We're no longer enemies, no longer rebels, but dear children. And God hugs us just like her daughter hugged you this morning. Yes. No longer are we mired in guilt, but we're forgiven. Some people are racked with guilt their whole lives. No longer facing awesome judgment, but safe eternally, and given a heavenly inheritance. The best is yet to be. No wonder this love has become the central, all-embracing principle that Paul is telling us this morning. His love has compelled us and overtaken, powered us. 
this sacrificial. Verses 17 goes on to say, if anyone isn't Christ, he is or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It's transformative. That's the second thing. And it's redemptive. The old is gone. Christ died in order to win for us pardon and place us in the right with God. It's what John Calvin said was, he called it the wonderful exchange. What exchange? The, sin, the Father takes all the sinfulness, the shame, and the guilt of my life, deserving of eternal loss, and places it on the head of his only son on the cross. That's part of it. And to those who trust him, there's the other part of the exchange. The father places all the holiness, the obedience, the love, and the purity of his dear son on our head. And he declares us fit for heaven. What an exchange. That's what he calls it. The wonderful exchange. So my life is different. I have a new status, a new nature. I am, as Paul says, a new creation. And all of us believe that. I also have a new future, a glorious future. As the word said, upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, another's life, another's death, I stake my whole eternity. So it's transformative and as well as it is a sacrificial. And the third thing he says, verses 18 and 19 of the chapter we read, God has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It is reconciling. That's a third thing. And unifying. Formerly as enemies of God, but now through Christ's wonderful sacrifice, we're made his friends. We're reconciled to him. And we're reconciled to one another. And we want others to have the same reconciliation. We're united to him. And we're also brought into that worldwide fellowship of God's loved ones, the church. It changes everything because it draws us into a future where creation itself is renewed and redeemed. I don't understand it. But I read Revelation chapter 22, 21 and 22, where John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I don't know what that exactly means. But it means that God's renewing power is much greater than you can imagine. It's Satan not just saving a few sinners and saying, okay, son, okay, daughter, Go your way. You're now my friend. It is much, much bigger. When we grasp its enormity, the scope of Christ's saving power, the reality of heavenly love that touches everything and renews everything, and even creation gets renewed, then it's not surprising that, as Paul says, it dominates our thinking, our motivation, and the way we live. So we all have, you and I, who believe, around this table, we all have a mission driven by love. 
Since Jesus' love was one life for us, we are driven by that love to share the love and invite others to find reconciliation too. We cannot but respond to such enormous change that the love of Christ has meant. The motivation for all we do as Christians, and you can see it throughout the world, and even in these war-torn things, you can see the love in Poland and in other places round about in which people are opening up their lives. And they do it out of love and out of compassion. And with motivation, all we do is that people might know Jesus. We see others as children of God, but in need of coming to the same reconciling and welcoming arms of Christ. We want people to know that we need not be overcome by evil and by self-centeredness. That need not master us. There is a greater power. There is a better way, removing competitiveness and self-centeredness. There is a better power that removes malice and evil working. The power of the redeeming and transforming love. And that drove Paul throughout the whole of the Roman Empire on these Roman roads. He went north, south, east, and west. He couldn't stop. There was a compulsion. And the compulsion was the love of Christ. So how mastered are we in our church by the love of Christ? How mastered how does his work thrill us and excite us? When people learn the good news, does that not drive us to want to share our story? Do we feel compelled to tell of Christ's love? He who did so much for us. Surely the very least we can do is tell us how, yes, it does work. It's worked for me. This is how it's worked. Let me share it with you. And in normal and homely ways, we can let the love of Christ become the driving of our life. So let me share with you some of the people whose example of kindness and love meant so much to me, especially when I was a growing Christian. In the village where I grew up, there was a, um, a couple, George Fraser and his wife, Mrs. Fraser. I can't remember her first name because we always called her Mrs. Fraser. But they opened up their home to us. They, he, George Fraser ran this Sunday school, and he taught us a lot of the Psalms. And they ran us a winter psalmody class. In other words, we sang the psalms in harmony. But there was in that house a great log fire burning. The place was warm in the winter. And after singing our hearts out, there was mounds of home baking. Mr. and Mrs. Fraser just loved the Lord so much. They wanted us to sing his praise. And I look back and I realize we were blessed. Let me tell you about aunt, uh, uncle and auntie. They're not really our uh, Mary's uh, uncle or auntie, but we call them auntie and uncle. And they often had us to supper after an evening service. Auntie was a real lady. She set a lovely table. There was the real napkins, the best china, and home baking. And once Mary said to her, look, 
Auntie, you shouldn't have bothered. A cup of tea on our knee would be fine. And you know what Auntie said? Auntie said this. Don't ask me to give less than my best for our dear friends. And they asked how God was doing in our life and, our, and in Mary Who. They loved Jesus so much. Only the best would do to offer. That's love. Let me tell you a third. And when I went to Aberdeen for six years in university, Ramsey and Vi Rob, Eleanor and Willie Leslie, they were in the, in the church. And as a student, there were lots of students coming to Aberdeen. And they had a ministry of hospitality to many of the students. And they invited me. I wasn't a month in the church, knew nobody, um, except one other student who had invited me. He was a member. And away from home, we were welcomed into their home on a Sunday afternoon, and they asked us how our studies were going, and they laid on a lovely tea, and then included us in our prayers, and their kindness was really quite astonishing. They just loved Jesus, and they opened their home. Now, that's the wonderful thing. Christ's love is at work, th uh, working through us to inspire a whole range of ministries. You all have your ministry. You all have your gifts. But at the center of it all, surely, a heart constrained and compelled by the love of Christ. So the question is, how does the driving power of Christ work in your life, in your home, and in our congregation at the Elm St. Anne. And those who are watching online.